0: Welcome, future doctors, to another episode of the Future Minority Doctor Podcast with Dr. Sulma and Marina, where we bring you
1: conversations to empower and inspire you to contribute to your community and the world by becoming a doctor. Welcome back, future doctors. Today, we are finally getting around to talking about the MCAT, That's right, the Medical College Admissions Test, or MCAT for short. It's an acronym that strikes fear into the hearts of so many pre-meds. I remember it struck some fear into my heart. What about for you, Dr. Zulma?
0: Yes, I can still recall that morning when I woke up to take the MCAT. I was so nervous and anxious. I don't even know if I slept well the day before because I was so nervous. But
1: we have good news for you. Guess what? It does not have to terrify you. That's right, because seen in a certain light, it is just a test. It's a series of questions with multiple choice answers. Back when we took it, it was a paper booklet with those little bubble-in test answer sheets. You remember those, right, Dr. Zuma? Yes, the prehistoric exams. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. Today, it's administered on a computer at a testing center. And like we always say, tests and test results do not define you. A test has no actual power over you. It is an academic instrument used to assess your knowledge in certain areas and your test-taking ability at a certain point in time. But like most timed multiple-choice tests, it's far from perfect. But before you get too relaxed about it, please do know that you do have to take it seriously if you are serious about trying to get into medical school. You have to learn what the test is like, you have to schedule in advance, you have to take at least a few months to study, Do practice questions, take practice tests, and psych yourself up for the exam. This is not a test for the faint of heart. It is a seven-hour-long beast of a test. You must take your preparation for it seriously. You don't have to be afraid of it, but you do need to know what you're up against and prepare yourself accordingly. Please don't think to yourself, oh, I'll just take the test and see how I do. This is not a test to mess around with. Exactly.
0: We know some of you might be in high school right now or early in college or might not even know much about the MCAT, so we're going to review some basics about it. Uh, We're going to cover the basics today, and we're going to have later episodes where we can go more into detail about the specific sections, the test prep materials, the courses, and much more. To start, Dr. Marina, who administers the MCAT, and where can students register? The test is administered by the American Association
1: of Medical Colleges, or the AAMC. In order to see the test dates and register, you can visit their website at aamc.org and click on the Students and Residents section, then click on the MCAT section. The AAMC website also offers a lot of information about the test, including what topics are covered, test preparation material, and a few official practice tests.
0: Some of the materials are free, but some of them you do have to pay for. Can you take it at any time or are there certain dates you have to take it?
1: Yeah, so there are specific dates when it's offered. In 2021, the MCAT was offered for most of the calendar months with the exception of February and October through December. However, there are only certain dates in each month that are offered. You will need to go to the AAMC website to check out dates in your area specifically so that you can plan ahead.
0: Okay, so we know it's a big test. What are the specific topics um, that the MCAT covers? Very important question.
1: The MCAT has four main sections or topic areas. One-fourth of the test is focused on biology and biochemistry. One-fourth of the test is focused on chemistry and physics. Another fourth of the test is focused on psychology, sociology, and behavioral science. And the last fourth of the test is on critical analysis and reasoning skills, or sometimes um, called CARS. These first two test sections align pretty closely with the general pre-medical course requirements, or the classes you have to take in college in order to apply to medical school, the biology, chemistry, and physics.
0: Yeah, so um, it's nice to know what the areas are. Just as you can recall, I I come from a non-science major background. So um, if you guys heard previous episodes, uh, I graduated with degrees in psychology and Spanish literature. So when I reflect back on taking the MCAT, I would personally recommend taking a biochemistry course in college if you can, um, if you are a non-science major. I struggled with the section a little bit as it didn't come easy because I had never taken the, the course before. And biochemistry isn't a pre-med course requirement for all medical schools. There's only a few from my research back then that required it. So obviously, I didn't apply to those medical schools. I had to take biochem during my post back year to get into UCSD medical school And I actually did very well in the course, and at that point I recall thinking, wow, if I would have taken this course in undergrad, it could have helped boost my MCAT score specifically for that section. Just something for you guys to think about if you are a non-science major.
1: Great point. Yeah, because those two sections are very science-heavy biology, biochem, chemistry, physics. So the third section can be trickier because it focuses on topics like psychology and behavioral science that you don't necessarily need to study to apply to medical school. But as you mentioned, Dr. Zulma, in your case, since you were a psychology Mm -hmm. major, maybe that stuff came a little easier. So if you're still early in your college years, consider taking a psychology class if you are a science major and a sociology class to help you prepare for this section. If you can't do that, however, you can technically buy some test prep books to help you learn what you need to know for that part of the test. Just make sure to give yourself extra time to study. The fourth section, critical analysis and reasoning, is really more focused on reading comprehension and your critical thinking skills. You have to read long passages and answer questions to see if you can comprehend, analyze, and reason about what you read. This section can include passages from different disciplines, for example, philosophy or ethics. Now, it's interesting because some people do really well on like the science portion, but then they really struggle with this critical analysis and reasoning because it has a lot to do with just reading and being able to read quickly and process quickly. If English was a second language for you, you might struggle even more in this section. Do you remember that section, Dr. Zuma? How was it for you?
0: Yeah, I, I did. This was one area where I did struggle. I think I didn't know how to pick out what was the important information in that section. So I would try to read and understand everything in the passage. And it took me a little bit longer. And then when that came to the questions, it, it was hard for me to try to pick out what was important from it. So I think you had mentioned previously in another episode, it's like maybe look at the question first and then when you're reading you're kind of already scoping the passage to see what it was. But yeah, it was it was a hard part for me. Definitely. Yeah, and we hope to have
1: another episode specifically focusing on this section.
0: So, Dr. Marina, how many questions are in each section? All right. Sections 1 through 3,
1: which are more the science, psychology, sociology sections, they each have about 60 questions. Section 4 has about 50 questions. So in total, there are 230 questions on the test as of this year in 2021.
0: Wow, that's a lot of questions. I forgot we went through all of that. (laughs) Yeah. You also mentioned, Dr. Marina, that this is a really long test, obviously, with so many questions. And I remember feeling, and I do remember feeling it like it was really long. How long is it exactly?
1: As of this recording in 2021, you are allowed six hours and 15 minutes to actually take the test. You're also allowed two 10-minute breaks and one 30-minute break during the test. So if you need to go to the bathroom, for example, in between sections, you can take one of those 10-minute breaks. If you want to eat lunch or have a snack in between sections, you can take that 30-minute break. Altogether, you have up to seven hours and five minutes to take the test. You may also have the option to take it in the morning at 7.30 a.m. or the option to take it in the evening starting at 3 p.m. It's important to consider when your brain works the best for you and whether you're more of a morning person or more of an evening person. It's broken down into sections, though. For sections 1 through 3, you have 95 minutes for each section, and for section 4, you have 90 minutes. So if you calculate that out, that's roughly one and a half minutes you have to answer each question. That's really not very long, especially for some questions where you have to read a long passage before you get to the actual question, although you do tend to have more than that amount of time for those questions. I remember struggling to finish tests on time in general, and when I took the MCAT, it also struggled to finish on time. In fact, I think when I took the actual test, I did leave a few questions blank on one or two sections because I ran out of time. What about you, Dr. Zulma?
0: Yeah, I, I mostly struggled with the, the physics and the car section, as I mentioned earlier, to finish on time. And then prior to 2013, there actually used to be uh, writing sample question and I, I also struggled to that part as well but I'm glad that they've done away with that as of 2013 and as you can recall my reading comprehension skills have always been my area of weakness so doing these sections I often found myself fighting the clock so to make sure that I can try to get through them. But, you know, I just did the best I could. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Marine, I also remember it wasn't cheap as well, the test. How much does the test cost nowadays? Yeah, as
1: of 2021, the test fee is $320. The AAMC claims that this covers the cost of designing and administering the test, as well as the cost of sending the scores to all of the medical schools that you will apply to. The AAMC does also offer a fee assistance program. You can also check that out on their website to see if you qualify if you come from a lower income background or you're struggling financially for any reason. This is another reason to make sure you prepare as well as possible for the test. We don't want you throwing your money down the drain, taking it over and over again
0: if you don't have to. Definitely. <laughs> Are there limits uh, how many times a student can take the MCAT?
1: Yes, the AMC does set limits for how many times the student can take it. The limits are you can take the exam no more than three times within one year, and no more than four times within two consecutive years, and overall, in a lifetime, you can't take it more than seven times. Our goal, however, is to help you so that hopefully you do not have to take it more than one to two times, given the costs associated with the exam and the time required to study. Also, it's important to note that all medical schools that you apply to will have access to seeing all of your attempts and all of the scores.
0: That's great information. It's quite common for students to take the MCAT more than once. Usually I would say on average, maybe two times if they don't do that well on the first time. So don't feel bad if you take it more than once. Absolutely. How long is the MCAT score good for though once you do take it, Dr. Marina? Each medical school will
1: set their own timeline. For the most part, most medical schools honor the MCAT scores for two to three years after you have taken the exam. But you know it's a little tricky because um, some people take gap years, a gap year, or many gap years, um, and you want to take the MCAT ideally when that material from your science courses and sociology and psychology courses are fresh in your memory. So hopefully, you don't take too long of a gap and don't have to retake it. But every situation is different, and in
0: general you have two to three years after you take the exam to apply. I recall not knowing when, how to get started. How should students start to think about when to take the test and how to prepare?
1: Okay, first, the exam is taken after you have completed all of your pre-med requirements, ideally. You want to give yourself several months to study after completing these courses. Then you want to figure out when you want to apply to medical school. Do you want to go straight through after graduating from college, or do you want to take some time off after college, a gap year, or a few? Or are you considering maybe doing a master's degree or something else? Of course, like we've mentioned before, the path to medical school will be different for everyone. Once you figure out what works best for your situation, then you can narrow down when to take the exam so that you have scores available with enough time to apply to medical school during the application cycle. Ideally, you will want to take a couple of months to study prior to your test date. And remember, don't compare yourself to other students. Some people are starting at a lower point. Some people are starting at a higher point. So just because, you know, Joe Schmo only took a month to study, that doesn't mean that you're going to take only a month to study. Look at yourself realistically where you are, what your study habits are like, what your test taking skills are like. Take all of that into consideration. Take into consideration if you're going to have to work at the same time, so you're going to have less time to study versus if you're going to be able to take time just to study as your full-time job. So all of that um, you need to take into account and don't compare yourself because that doesn't help the situation.
0: Definitely. So again, a lot of it is planning and just depending what your situation is and everybody is going to be different. I agree, Dr. Marine. I remember there were people that were still not graduated yet, but they were already studying for the MCAT, but For some people, that won't work because they also hold a part-time job or they have other things, so they just have to wait until after they graduate, and that's okay. How should a student prepare to study for the MCAT? Like we mentioned, we're
1: going to have a few more episodes covering the details of test prep
0: materials
1: and all that other stuff, um, all the different sections, but in general, here are a few basic principles. So first, give yourself about three to six months to study. If you're going to study full-time, then maybe you only need two to three months. If you're going to school or working at the same time as you're going to study, then maybe you're going to need more like five to six months. But during that study time, make a schedule and stick to it. Set daily goals like I'm going to do 20 practice questions or 50 practice questions or 100 practice questions a day, or I'm going to do two hours or six hours or whatever it is. Set a goal, set a schedule, and stick to it. Don't stress too much if you need to change the goals around depending on how it's going in order to be more realistic as you progress, but try to set those goals and really try to stick to them because if you procrastinate, 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 this is not a test that you can cram for. Also keep in mind you may need to save up money beforehand for your living expenses, the test fee, and test prep materials. They can really add up quickly. And then another thing is focus most of your study time on practice questions. Remember we talked about the importance of recall practice in our episode on improving your memory. You will learn so much better if you quiz yourself on material over and over again than if you just get a test preparation book and read it like a textbook because just reading it over and over again like we've said is not as effective as testing yourself on it. And then of course like as you come across questions that you don't know then go back, look at your test prep material or your textbook, and figure out the concept. Teach it to yourself if you don't know it, but then go back to questions. And then speaking of questions, you need to take a lot of practice exams. The AAMC offers multiple practice exams. Some are free and some you have to pay for. You should start out your preparation by taking a diagnostic exam, which is just to get an idea of where you are starting from. For example, if you take the practice exam. And you score a 480, but you want to get a 500 or 510, then you know that you're going to need to work pretty hard to get your score up by 20 or 30 points. So you're going to need to take a full-length practice exam, ideally, honestly, every one to two weeks. Everyone's different, though. (laughs) It really depends on your situation. If you're already a really good test taker, then maybe you can get away with less often. But it's such a scary exam. It's such a long exam. That it really helps to sit through the full seven-hour test, just so you develop the stamina to be able to take a test for that long. Another thing is have a support system, a study group or a study partner, um, and then take breaks with friends and family. Don't tell yourself I'm going to study 16 hours a day for three months because you're going to burn out really fast. <laughs> and as part of that, take care of your health. Remember, your body, including your brain, needs sleep, good nutrition and positive relationships in order to function at its best. So give your body and mind what they need to thrive. Dr. Zulma, what approach did you take in preparing for the MCAT?
0: I took a very blinding approach. I don't think I knew what I was doing very much. I wish I could have heard everything you just said Uh (laughs) prior to preparing for the MCAT. But in part, it was because I didn't have any friends who were also pursuing medical school. So I was actually alone. Uh, I did my pre-med courses after graduating college again. So my my route was different. And I was working at the same time. I didn't study for the MCAT during this time as it was hard enough for me just to balance getting the grades in the pre-med science courses and then working at the same time. But after two years of completing these pre-med courses, I applied to the AAMC Summer Medical Education Program, and they had one that specifically was focused on MCAT prep. Um, I spent one month at the University of Medicine and Dentistry in New Jersey, and the program, um, it had a stipend and study materials, and then they also had classes, daily classes, that we would go to review different sections of the MCAT. I think this was like my first exposure as to what the MCAT really was and after completing this one month program I returned back to California and then I took another month to study and I actually spent the money for a one month um, Kaplan MCAT course. At this point though I decided I wasn't going to work while I was doing the Kaplan course And instead, I saw that this MCAT course was going to be my full-time job. So I actually actually did my schedule of being there at the center eight hours a day, Monday through Friday, just like if it was a full-time job. And I used the resources as much as I could that they had there while I was taking the course. I also did many tests and practice questions throughout this time. And then they also had tutoring services at that center as well, so I took advantage of that too. I will say, though, I did this alone without a study buddy or a group, and I feel like I lost out. I remember when I would be at the Kaplan Center and I would see other students study and they had groups. I didn't. And from what I know now, I think the group study or partner study is so important to just be able to talk about the material and and test each other. Um, it just becomes, it just, it's so much better just for the recall. And I probably would have done a lot better, but again, I really didn't know what I was doing. My score was not that great. Um, I didn't get the average score to, from what you see on the websites to get into medical school. So I think I could have done better, but again, I share this with you. So you learn from my mistakes and hopefully you all score better than I did. And what about you, Dr. Marina? What was your MCAT approach like? What did you do?
1: Yeah, it was a little similar to you in terms of the like studying, you know, just alone, Okay. (laughs) which again, there are pros and cons to that. If you can find a study group, use it. But it's hard with the MCAT because everybody's taking it at a different time. It's not like a class where you're all taking the final together. So sometimes you can do that and sometimes you can't. But what I ended up doing is Between my junior and my senior years of college, I set aside basically the whole summer, the whole two months, I think, of summer, um, and it was just so I could study and prepare for the MCAT. I knew that I couldn't study at home, like in our apartment, because there were too many distractions, so I forced myself to go to the library for seven to eight hours each day and mostly did a lot of practice questions. I would, I should say, take weekends off so that I didn't burn out from studying and I could spend time with my husband Mm -hmm. and family and go to church and all that stuff. The test prep courses, like the Kaplan one you took, I think I remember them being around $1,000, maybe more. And I didn't have that kind of money to spend at the time. So I ended up just buying some exam cracker books. They cost me about $400 and then the AAMC practice tests. I would go through practice questions and practice questions and practice questions. And if I didn't understand something, then I would go back to the review book, review the concept, try to get it down, go back, do more practice questions. And some of the questions I would even mark, like if I got it wrong and I was like, oh, I'm going to have trouble remembering this, I would like put a star next to it so I could go back and try it again. I didn't spend much time just reading because I had learned by that time that it wasn't as helpful as just forcing myself to do practice questions. I also did about two to three full length practice tests, if I recall correctly, but I probably should have done more. And, um, I was fortunately, I was really motivated to do well the first time around because I was like, okay, I have this summer. I was like, if I don't do well this summer, I don't know when I'm going to take it. It was going to be too hard to try to take it during my senior year because I had a lot of classes that I still had to take for my major. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do this as well as I can the first time around. Um, I also, I, you know, I don't like spending money. I didn't really want to have to pay for the test again and set aside time again. So um, I really was motivated. And thankfully, I did end up doing well enough my first time around, scoring around the 80th percentile, which is not, you know, like the top score, but it was good enough to be competitive in my applications to medical school. And also because I had a lower GPA, I was also really motivated because I thought, okay, if I can get a competitive score, at least like above a certain threshold, then medical schools, even though they see my GPA it's lower, they might still consider me as a potential applicant. All right, a few last points about the MCAT. Most of the stuff you have to study and learn for this test is not stuff you will actually use as a doctor. I guarantee you, most doctors don't remember the chemical structures of the amino acids. However, they do know how to study and how to work hard. So don't think about it as a test of how smart you are. Think of it as a test to prove that you have the study habits and the dedication needed to succeed in medical school and as a physician.
0: Do you agree with that, Dr. Zuma? Oh, definitely. I think back... Um... Back then, I thought I had to know everything on the MCAT because I was going to need it as a doctor. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't say I can't say enough. Just study hard, take the MCAT, and remember what, what you're doing there. It, you're not going to use much of it, or you'll have to know everything later on, mm-hmm. um, for the most part, if you're a practicing physician. So definitely agree.
1: Exactly. So if you like can't understand a certain physics concept like be easy on yourself like just do the best you can and remind yourself like this is about how hard I work and about my dedication it's not about the physics right and then another thing the hardest part of studying for the MCAT is actually not learning and memorization it's your psychology in my opinion you have to believe in yourself if you spend a lot of time doubting yourself like I did a lot in college Take a step back and see if you can put your mental energy into something better. So instead of telling yourself over and over again, I can't do this, I can't do this, practice telling yourself, I can do this, I can do this. If you practice saying that to yourself for long enough, you're going to start to believe it and you will be amazed at how much you can accomplish. What do you think about that, Dr. Soma?:
0: Yes, I think even the psychology of getting you up and motivated to just study for it. So you have to train your brain to think this and say, I can do this. This is just part of the journey. It's something I just have to check off. And we just got to do this just like everything else in life is. So just you had to complete high school, right? You check that off. Well, the MCAT, that's just something you have to check off Mm -hmm. to become a doctor as well. So telling yourself that you can do this is very important and getting positive thoughts into your mind. Exactly.
1: All right, last point. Studying for the MCAT can be very daunting. When you're just starting out, it can feel like you're at the bottom of Mount Everest, (laughs) looking (laughs) up at the top and thinking to yourself, how the heck am I ever going to make it up there? Try not to get overwhelmed, though. Take it one step at a time. That's what you would do to climb Mount Everest, right? Like one step at a time. That's how anybody does it. If you just keep putting one foot in front of the other or doing one question after another, eventually you'll get there. Don't get discouraged and please don't give up.
0: Right, Dr. Zuma? Definitely. That's This is why I think, like you said earlier, doing that pre-test or that initial test to just see where you're starting from is important because as you study and then you take another test and you compare, your score will be higher. And I think it's, I mean, it might not be your target score with that initial test that your initial practice test that you take when you compare it to your baseline one, but it's going to be higher, which you'll, it'll make motivate you to say, you know what, I am learning something. So it's baby steps (laughs) and getting there, but yeah, don't get discouraged. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Cause
1: some people don't even go open their book because they have that mentality of like, oh my gosh, it's Mount Everest. How am I going to do it? don't do that to yourself. Please, please, please. I did that to myself a lot in college classes. (laughs) I procrastinated studying because it just seemed too daunting. But again, this is just a test. One fact at a time, one question at a time, one hour at a time. You can do this. So please believe in yourself. All right. Well, that's all we have for today, but we promise that there are more MCAT episodes to come. Thank you for tuning in. If you are enjoying this podcast, please remember to subscribe through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or TikTok to stay informed about new episodes and other fun stuff. Also, please check out our YouTube channel in particular because we've been adding videos of some of our highlights and our episodes there. So check it out if you have time. We would love to hear from you also, what you like about the show, what you don't, and what you would like to hear more about. You can contact us through our website at www.futureminoritydoctor.com by clicking on the Contact Us tab. Also, if you like our show and would like to support our work, please consider making a donation of any amount. Even a dollar helps. These donations help pay for our website, recording services, and podcast editing. Please note that you must be 18 years or older to donate. If you're not in a position to donate, Don't worry, and please keep listening. A huge shout out to my brother, Sam Capella, who edits our podcast every week. Thank you, Sam. Until next time, future doctors.
0: Peace and love, everyone.